got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nucky spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bello. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff, and you still have no talent. It's Sandos in the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Ah, oh, man, what a Friday! Spectacular in in the men's basketball game Thursday night. We get you set for Heroes Day Saturday. ETSU versus Mercer. We'll talk women's basketball. Austin Herrick. Bold predictions. Anything else? I think that's about it. All right, it's Mike Gallagher because you checking in. Uh, at least remembered you today, so that's all right. Uh, Appreciate that. 147 so, episodes and uh, I guess one forgotten one four seven. I mean, you're still sidekick. I've still let, I still refuse to let you have a byline at some point. With Sad I came up with that uh, moniker. Which so is your on. fault. It is. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like, oh, sidekick. I'm just like, oh, I didn't yeah, think sidekick. If, you know, if I get on, fired you know? or whatever you were yeah. thinking, I'm sure. I'm sure well, that is what thinking. I was thinking. Yeah. If I leave or something happens, whatever, they could just plug in another person. Of course, I was being selfless and thinking of you, as I always do. Uh, unfortunately, not always a two-way you know, street. You know, I when know. I think Mike Gallagher, I think selfless. That's probably the top thing I think of. As you should, if you know me well. Yeah. And, uh, and and when I think of me, I think uh, bad, bold takes, which we will have later. So that'll yeah. be great. I'm going really bold today. I just hope you prepare you right now about 50 minutes ahead of time. I'm going really bold. And I'm pumped for it. The bolder, the better. I agree. I agree. You're better at me at it. So we'll see what happens there. Let's talk uh, football. We're going to go football first. Let's break down the game. Let's do that. And then Absolutely. we'll go uh, just because we got Austin's second segment. So we'll stay on task there. Then we'll break down the men's basketball. Women's basketball also. And. Um, We'll talk about that because, and again, just broadcasting the game, I've only been able to, to really go off stats, not talk, but just uh, some things there that uh, kind of shocked me on the women's side. Uh, and then, of course, bold predictions. But let's talk ETSU football. Mercer, they've played four times previous. The first two, um, and really the series just started since ETSU rebirth of football. 2015 was the first game. It was a bye game. Bucks uh, really throttled in that one. I think it was 52 nothing. I don't even want to go back and look it up to see if that's factual, but uh, there was that. Then the next year when the Bucks were in the SoCon, actually had a chance late driving down one score, and then uh, really uh, Austin Herrick couldn't connect with Drake Powell. Then he had to throw a not quite a Hail Mary, but similar type play, and uh, Mercer was able to pick off a pass to win that game. Then Mercer comes up uh, two years ago. ETSU, of course, you, the Juwan Stinson call now – uh, on our open, most people have talked about Matt Wilson, like I say, one of my better calls. And then the next year, a 21 18 victory. So, four games, Mercer went in the first two, Bucks uh, able to bounce back for the next couple. But all these games, but the first one, uh, have really been sort of nip and tuck with teams that Mercer started football one year prior to ETSU. But they've been nip and tuck uh, for the most part, other than that first year that the Bucks were able to play. And I, I 
am expecting the same type game that it could be a potential three-point game one way or another. Yeah, I'll let you know later exactly what I'm expecting in terms of spread of points, but I think that it definitely has potential because ETSU has had seven one-score games this year. Now, Mercer's flipped a little bit. They, last year, I believe, were 1-3, uh, 0-4, 1-4, something like that in one-score games, or 2-1 and one in one-score games this year, and they're just beat up. You know, they're uh, dealing with a ton of injuries to very key players. Obviously, Robert Riddle is what we talked about on Wednesday, Monday, have talked about for a couple of weeks with them because it was such a horrific injury and one that you don't want to go back and look at again. I think the big loss right now is DeAndre Johnson. Uh, he was one of the people that really made that offense go, and he got injured in the VMI game four weeks ago. He was the backup running back and also kick returner, but when we say backup running back, he was kind of like a Jacob Sailors, where he was getting a lot of carries and high yards per carry, big play threat whenever you got him the ball. And the team now outside of Tyree Devison has carried it 24 times for a combined 33 yards since that injury. That's 1.4 yards per carry. Johnson was averaging 6.1 per carry and had two 100-yard games when he was healthy. So you can't overstate enough how important Johnson was to, and I asked um, Rick Cameron when we had him on Wednesday, why has the running game struggled to get on track being second to last in the league, even though Tyree Devison is fourth, fifth in the league? in rushing and I found the answer myself you know I think that Rick Cameron um, gave us a few hints at it and then when you dig into the stats you really do find it DeAndre Johnson being injured has really hurt and Kalen Riley just isn't running the ball that much he's capable of doing so but has not taken it upon himself to try and affect that part of the game so far I think he's only got something like 14 or 15 carries and though he's factored into those rushing stats I just gave you so it should tell you what he's been doing but without DeAndre Johnson they put David Durden back on kick return now he's a very good kick returner and he seemed to stay healthy the entire year along with Devison but that's really been all that Mercer's been able to rely on offensively when I talked to Bobby Lamb you'll hear that conversation pregame on the Buccaneer Sports Network 11:30 a.m. tomorrow for a one o'clock kickoff he said that the biggest loss is Austin Sanders, redshirt senior left tackle. And with that offensive line being in such flux, and Sanders is out again this week, uh, they had one starting offensive lineman, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, against Sanford by the end of that game. Rick Cameron referenced it as well. They have been decimated up front. Sanders isn't coming back. It doesn't appear anytime soon. He may miss the North Carolina game as well. So he's the big loss, according to Coach Lamb. I think DeAndre Johnson. And then, of course, there's a starting quarterback, Robert Riddle. So it is a mash unit, no doubt. I, I think uh, every year it seems like, for whatever reason, you know, sometimes teams just tend to be snake bitten, but Mercer's had some, other than really the, the first year at ETSU played them, uh, they've had a horrific injury to a key member of the team and this year that tends to be more than just one and football you know it is a not a contact sport it's a collision sport you hear that all the time and injuries happen it's why they have bigger rosters and you know just the the way it is and you're not talking about normal bumps and bruises they've had guys that have had some really significant injuries and for them at the quarterback position they've had it back-to-back years with Robert Riddle with the with the collarbone and then the horrific leg injury they suffered this year and coach Taylor and and I think uh I may have got him to to give that bite to us that you're going to air on the pregame show Saturday but because Riddle was hurt on run plays and they don't have to go back to the walk on no offense to Harrison Frost but we saw that last year that they thinks that they're just not running him because of that they want to keep a quarterback healthy now they do have a new offensive coordinator does Mercer and so they don't quite do 
the spread as they used to with tempo spread, a bunch of other stuff. Their offense looks a lot more like ETSU's offense. It's very multiple, different formations. You know, they can go from an I formation to five wide and, and do a bunch of different things. The one thing I do think that is interesting is the fact that I think they have three quality receivers. Yeah. And, and the one thing that I forgot about was the the third receiver that, that's kind of come out of nowhere, um, McKay, Yasin McKay, it came down to ETSU and Mercer. And then he just decided he's in between Atlanta and Macon, wanted to stay closer to home. And, man, you look at his numbers, you're going, boy, the Bucks, you know, it's thin. They're going to have – I think ETSU's only going to have five wide receivers dressed out for this game. Wow. And so you think about, well, if you could have a guy like that with Isaiah Wilson, with Huzzy, and some other things moving forward, boy, how good would that be? But you got Tucker Cannon leads the team in catches. Dave Durden has missed some time uh, with some injuries, but his kick return game, plus he's older. You know, he played minor league baseball for two or three years before he came. So even though he's a sophomore, he's 22, 23 years old, a little more mature. Could have been Randy Sanders' cousin if he would have married uh, his second cousin or some weird story he gave me the other day on the coaches' show. Could have been related. Maybe that would have helped. I don't know. But they got three talented receivers, and it just seems like because the suffocating defense with the makeshift offensive line for Mercer, they can't quite put it all together. And they could earlier in the year, but with all the injuries, not just quarterback, four offensive linemen, all that stuff adds up to be – you know, for the rest of the league, it's like, well, it's tough luck. It's football. But if you're a Mercer Bear fan, you got to be going, man, how snake bit in the last couple of years have we been with injuries? And that's just the offense. There are plenty of guys missing on the defense as well. Yeah, and with them, I think you go back to 2015 even, they're, what, I think third year as a program. They lost five one-score games. Last year they lost four one-score games. We're one in four. So you look at those injuries and how they can affect the game. If you have a real game changer, and even if it's just someone that – is that much better their wins against replacement quote unquote they're that much better than their replacement that comes in uh, say an Austin Sanders to whoever the left tackle is that we're going to see tomorrow uh, if there's a huge gap then a couple of missed assignments like we found out this year with Randy Sanders and you know play here play there the team not having the best of breaks um, that can be all the difference I thought one of the interesting sound bites on Wednesday at the coaches show was coach Sanders and this should just tell ETSU fans how narrow the margin's been and how frustrating it's had to have been for everyone, not only on the outside of the program, but specifically on the inside of the program. Jack Childress, is that his name? Yes, the, the uh, head, head of, of referees yes. for the SOCON. How Coach Sanders asked Childress, I think it was after last game he said, how there were a couple of calls that he just, if this is how the call should have been made, then I don't understand the rule. Please help me out. And he said, Jack Childress, that being, no, you understand the rule. It was just called wrong, and Coach Sanders said that the couple of calls specifically he was talking about, and he didn't elaborate a whole lot and didn't go into specifics, but he said it was the difference between no points and 14 points. Well, one was the block on Nate Adkins. Sure. The blind side That was block. a direct. So did you, did you enjoy my follow-up? Because I'm of the belief I'd rather – I think I'd rather just say, sure, it was called correctly. And you just move about your day. You're just mad about it. To me, it makes me more angry when they're like, yeah, not only was it not, should have been flagged when yeah. they reviewed it because that's a reviewable play. When it was reviewed, it should have been over So not only was it wrong to begin with, they reviewed it was wrong, and then the head of official says it's wrong, and he's going to talk to us about not calling it, and you're sitting there stewing over another loss. It just makes you more angry. It does gonna, me. I was going to say, I don't think that it would get to me so much if this was game one or two of the conference year, but when you've had time after time, for whatever reason it's been, not always referees, but the football gods make it rain and pour and kick up gusts of wind when you're at Sanford and trying to drive down to uh, – 
win the game or extend the game um, when you've had the amount of things that ETSU has had when you've got Tyler Keltner who's been great all year over a field goal to make it a six-point game against VMI instead of a three-point game and Chattanooga you're given chance after chance after chance with a kicker that can't seem to find the broad side of a barn and misses three field goals and an extra point and then comes down and finally hits the game winner when you can't take advantage after all of the stuff that ETSU's dealt with this year going one and six and one score games yes I think that would be more frustrating just because it would confirm my belief that it's just not going to happen this year. I'm actually used to the basketball, and I said it on during that show. I've talked to Mike Wood a lot of a lot of times about stuff, and he always defends the fish. doesn't matter. Yeah, 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 I look at the tape. It's, it's the right call. It's the right call. It's the right call. No matter what. It, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's the right call. And you just almost deal with it. But it just <laughs> I would rather just live in that world where somebody goes – yeah, they got it right. Okay, fine. Because you, you just deal with it, whether you like it or not. And they say, well, you know, maybe it's a bad rule, but it's the right rule. or right. I would be fine with that. The, me, I don't know how – and Randy was like, no, nah, I'd rather know they're wrong. Well, good for you, Coach. I, I do not. That's not me. You talked about the three receivers to get back to that. Tucker Cannon, David Durden, and Yashin McKee. Uh, Cannon and Durden have combined for just 13 catches and 213 yards with no touchdowns over the last three weeks most of their production coming with Robert Riddle and McKee as we talked about on Wednesday has had a huge last few weeks with uh, Kalen Riley against VMI Citadel and Sanford 18 catches 301 yards two touchdowns before that and in the one game that I'm excluding Wofford uh, since Riley's come in five catches 41 yards so clearly there's a chemistry there clearly you're going to see Kalen Riley if he's not looking at McKee first he's always going to be aware of where he is on the field this is a dangerous offense still and I know that Riley's had a bit of a tough start this year you know my feelings on Kalen Riley if you listen to the show if you even listened Wednesday talking to Rick Cameron I put him on the burner about look Kalen Riley is the better quarterback and he immediately dismissed but Kalen Riley is a very heralded heralded and acclaimed quarterback and he has shown specifically last year that he can come in and do damage you cannot sleep on this passing game even without Riddle well, first of all, I want to say I applaud you for the burner account of I Heart Riley that you started the other day, <laughs> and I don't want you to deny it because it clearly was right after that, that conversation. Are anyway. oh, you sure? Okay. So I, I I say this to have a backup with the accolades that Riley has. I mean, to me, is a is a really a blessing considering ETSU's had its issues this season, you know, and last season even with Logan March, I think you 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 still felt and maybe you liked one or the other, but you still had two comparable quarterbacks to go out there and play. You know, this year it's a bunch of guys like, hey, we got to figure it out. And it's just the way it is. With Mercer, you don't. I'm very shocked that they have struggled, especially last game. And and just because we have been so busy the last couple of weeks, I'll explain to you on everything that we do. I, I, I'm not able to watch as many games as I normally do. I normally try to watch four or five games. And then the Wofford game, I only got to watch a little bit of the first half. And it was just amazing how out of sync and everything – the offense looked and then Wofford did a great job of just playing keep away almost the whole first half so I don't know why they aren't and I don't know if it's continuity with the line if it because again there's more to football than just Riley getting the play from the sideline and calling it right there's checks that go on there's things that go on you need everybody to do the same thing but they're not on the same page and it looked like when Riley drops back to pass at least a little bit against the Wofford which has traditionally one of the better defensive lines in the league you know he's he's kind of scrambling for his life, doesn't have a lot of time, not not able. And when you you know you only have to defend the pass for one point five seconds, as opposed to three and a half four seconds, you obviously can see that. And then Devison's really the only running back they're giving the ball to. So I just seems like that that 
Riley and the rest of the offense is very, very limited. But I'm still shocked because with three talented receivers, we know what Cannon and Durden have been able to do the last couple of years. You would assume one of the three guys is very difficult to take one receiver away, let alone two receivers away. I don't know anybody in our league that really can line up and take three receivers out no. if you're just playing straight up, let's take them out, right? So there's got to be a lot of factors going into it. So I'm curious to see how the offense will do against what is still a little bit of a depleted ETSU defense. Yeah, the Terriers outgained Mercer 558 to 144 last week. So it was a complete decimation, domination. Here's, and I still think the offense does have potential regardless of that result. The only way I think that ETSU runs away in this game is if Mercer, you look back and say, this is the final game of the year before their North Carolina contest. This is their last game. They have a chance to win. And the season has turned on them to the point with all the injuries and all the mental side of it where you're just like, gosh, it's guy after guy, and we're so deep into the bench that I just don't believe anymore. The guys give up. Have they given up on the season, you know, coming into this contest? Uh, I don't think ETSU will because they've still got something to play for. They've got that goose egg in the wing column in conference play, and that's important. This is an important game for ETSU. Let me tell you where I think you can, if you if ETSU gets off to a quick start, and they have not this year um, really gotten off to a quick start except for short. I know they scored first against Citadel, but Citadel came right back right and tied the game. But if ETSU was able to somehow get a couple of touchdowns on the board before Mercer, I could see that. I could see where it's a road game, nothing's going on here, senior day for them. It's cold, right? Macon is not used to 50 degrees. That's something they're not used to. I could see them going, and for for Bobby Lamb, who I love, I think Bobby's uh, a a great, mainly because he's always given us great access and great stories and all that. Maybe I'm more nostalgic about that, but He's always been about a 500 coach in the league. Somehow that's not good enough for Mercer uh, when they brought football back. His job's hanging on the line. Even if he wins this game, and for Mercer, you could say, well, it's you know they got a winnable game. I mean, Bucks haven't won a game. It's yeah. pretty easy to look at. We've yeah. won three. They've won none. I could see a, a Bear fan. I could see the coaching staff saying that. But in reality, I think if ETSU, who is hungry for a win, if they smell blood in the water and have not been able to this year, but if they got a couple scores on the board early and smell blood in the water, I absolutely could see – where Mercer could pack it in. In the same token, you could probably argue the other way. If Mercer got three touchdowns on the board early, would ETSU be able to continue to battle back? Sure. So you can say, if you like, Mercer, and I don't know how much the players care, right? It's always a guessing game about will the Bear players respond to the fact that maybe Bobby Lamb's job, as you said Wednesday, you think is possibly on the line here. Do they care about that? You know, are they going to step up? Do they love Bobby? Have they bought in? I think he's a great guy too. I, every conversation I've had with him has been very awesome. Um, he's he's a good dude, no question. Um, does he have the buy-in from the players? And with the way the season's gone, I don't think there's anything to say that he wouldn't. But they're also coming off a game where they just got smacked by Wofford. So was that it? You know, is the air out of? the entire program at this point with Bobby's job on the line with uh, the players and having come off a week where they have won 144 or got 144 yards and got beat by 34 um, and have all the injuries and you know maybe guys are just self-preservation mode right now you know there's a lot of things that go into it but I think if I think scoring early is a good way to think about it but regardless of scoring early I think if Mercer has already said 
I mean, we're on the road, like you said, cold environment. Uh, this year hasn't gone how we wanted. Uh, we're all beat up. Like, we, your resolve is going to be very, very little if anything goes against you, as you said. So I think that's a possibility, and that's where the game could turn. I think another place the game could turn more on the field is special teams with Mercer having the best kick return in the league. We talked about uh, DeAndre Johnson. He's got the only kick return touchdown in the conference this year. With him out, you get David Durden to come in. He's got an 82-yarder this year, averaging 28 per return. ETSU has only had 20, more than 20 points twice in their FCS schedule. So one score can change these kind of games, as we know with how many games have been separated by a score, that's an area where it could. Durden actually took a kickback last year for a touchdown yep. and had a 90-yarder that didn't score that got him first and goal at the five. One of so, the four conference so, kick return touchdowns last year. So, I mean, between – it doesn't matter who it is, apparently. Durden, Johnson, they're going to get somebody back there. Now, Landon Kunak has done a better job recently kicking the ball to the back of the end zone. I think if he can kick every ball out of the end zone, not out of bounds, of course, but out of the end zone – then you at least that's a weapon for ETSU because if you're Mercer and you haven't had a lot of success offense, even if you catch the ball four or five yards deep, why not roll the dice? You've been real good, if not one of the best in the league for two or three years on kick return. I think you certainly should try to do that. Um, and the last thing I, I want to say is turnovers. I mean, th this is uh, two of the three worst teams in turnover margin, ETSU minus five, Mercer minus 11. Now the Bucks defense has been great about not letting it really – uh, hurt them as far as giving up points but still lost possession lost opportunity but Mercer's averaging you know two turnovers a game will they continue that trend and can the Bucks get a maybe plus two and would that swing the game or vice versa will the Bucks turn over and Mercer for the first time in a long time have a game without a turnover and maybe that's what they need for wins so I think the turnover battle is going to be about as important as anything else because both teams have had a hard time hanging on to the football 1985 and 1991 the only years in etsu history where they've lost every conference game you don't want to join that list and bobby lamb he said in our conversation that this etsu team is miles miles better than two and eight i think you and me would agree oh uh, and seven in the league not representative of what this team can do it would be totally unfair to their effort this year and to the results that they've gotten to go down in history with those two teams i don't think they will i think this is a very good matchup i think this will skew etsu's way but they have to go out and as coach sanders says execute they have to make sure that it's not just the hyperbole from us that it's not just the matchup on paper they have to go and do it which is something that they've struggled to do this year all right don't forget that is a one o'clock one o'clock will be the opening kick etsu mercer on heroes day eleven thirty pregame show coverage here on the buccaneer sports network a lot of things to talk about hope you tune in for the full hour and a half there and of course the contest as well here on the buccaneer sports network austin herrick still talking football on the other side of this time out to your word sandwich sidekick on the buccaneer sports network over the last 70 years johnson city power board has had a few different looks but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on now we've changed our name to bright ridge to match our vision to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. Cake, beer, cake, 
beer. Quality. 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 Not to be. Continental MVP. Cake. Cake. A slice of cake. Cake. Beer. Beer. Um, yeah. Oh, rare treat. This is an actual Friday that I'm talking to Austin Herrick. Usually it's Wednesday night, Thursday night. You've been up for like 29 hours in a row because you work out at 4 a.m., 8 a.m., noon, 4 p.m., 8 p.m. You know, you're just on your last legs at that point. Now I get a fully energized Austin Herrick in studio. How does it feel to be here on a Friday morning? It feels good. Uh, like I was saying before we got on air, we're, we're no longer breaking the space-time continuum. So um, it's good to to get here and be here in live uh, live radio. Yeah. Live radio, yes. Going out live over the year, 10,000-watt radio right now. No doubt. You feel yeah. big, don't you? I mean, the, the head that usually is large walking in it's just huge is today. exploding the room, no which for some doubt. reason has smelled terrible the last 24 hours. i got to get out of here. <laughs> Hunter Parker is also here. First appearance on the show for Hunter Parker. Now, probably long overdue, Hunter. I want to talk about a number of different things about baseball and football with you because you have made kind of a crossover and crossover season, very apropos that you're here. Uh, but just appearing on the show, I think after your baseball career, very successful, um, finished, I believe, what, two seasons ago? This spring will be two seasons ago. So, um, But thanks for having me on. I've, I've heard all about this for the past few weeks and, and hadn't made it, but I'm here now and uh, I'm excited. I get can talk with the boys. Please, please tell me what you've heard. I'm very interested to hear when Austin Herrick is not in the studio, how he talks about Santos and the sidekick. Well, you know, I mean, I've heard all the, the hype about it. I mean, he, he hypes it up pretty good. I mean, especially with all the, uh, you know, I hear about his big head coming in here and, and all this stuff. And, and when you sit next to Austin Herrick and you're on the campus of ETSU. You, A bit you know, dwarfed, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, know, absolutely. I know the feeling. Yeah. I'm yeah, squirming so. in my seat right now. Yeah, by the way. so. Just excited to be here. Just excited to be here. I, with that opening from you, I'm excited you're here, too. This is going to go just fantastically. <laughs> uh, how we usually lead off every segment with Austin Herrick. So the head's very big when he walks in. Now it gets even bigger because we start with all of the Twitter love that he tends to get. Now, I do have to say, Twitter last week, you took a bit of a bashing from Adagravasi is a former uh, t- women's tennis player here. So this is a current day Austin Herrick Twitter God segment. Uh Basically, it started with, she must be a listener of the show, uh, wasn't aware, but very happy that she listens along, Anna, props to you, uh, goes right in on you, and finds her picture in the hallway. As a matter of fact, I went and found it as well, it's right by your office, which is even funnier. Yeah. Uh, she takes a picture and says, Austin Herrick, I graduated in like 2014, 15, my picture's on the wall, where's yours? Are you jealous? And absolutely you said there was no question you were a bit envious and jealous of her picture still being on the wall uh the buccaneer sports network came back not sure who runs that account but it was brilliant uh some people are legends and some people are not you know and, and that's i think just a fair point and very fitting to talk about the argument between Anna grabasi and yourself and then me always at your defense as you know one of your biggest um i'd say advocators uh, on this yeah. campus uh just said look i found a picture of the statue and it's a lot better than a picture of just yourself, and it was a golden goat on the third floor. So now multiple statues are on the third floor of you encased in gold. Well, Your yeah. reaction to that whole Twitter beef, I think, that may have been started by Andre Gravasi with you. I'm just glad that I have, like, a, a bodyguard on these Twitter streets. You know, I'm just out here roaming around. I've got Mike Gallagher there to defend me and to, to keep me safe. So uh, yeah, that's a plus. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm definitely jealous. I, I was walking down the hall. Typically see my picture over here on the right, and um, just wetting up there, and realized it's been it's been a long year, you know, long fall from grace. 
<laughs> well, you'll uh, you'll return to prominence once again, I'm quite sure. And when the statue is completed, we can get a picture by it and post that and send it to on and be like, hey, where's your statue? Whenever so, it's completed, yeah. if it ever is erected, um, we can definitely take a picture. It, it's well on its way. Let me just assure <laughs> you of that. Uh, can you tell me about – you've been on Twitter a lot more, I've noticed, in the last few weeks. Lamar Jackson. I saw some stats <laughs> – this may have been going along with the football staff. I'm not quite sure who exactly started this whole debate, but you seem to be either a huge critic. I didn't read too much into it. A huge critic or a huge supporter of Lamar Jackson. And there were some comparisons where you clearly seem to be on one side of an argument involving Lamar Jackson. Please inform the uninformed. Um, yeah, no, that's actually been a huge topic. Um, and that's, I mean, you're, you're reading in really well here. That's Come that's been now, a man. big. Come on now. That's been a really big discussion the I past do my week research. or two. Yeah, you're doing good. Um, so two different groups I'm in um, debates with over Lamar Jackson. One is my former roommate and former ETSU player Alonzo Francois. He's a big Lamar guy. Um, and then there's a few guys on staff that we go back and forth on Lamar. I think Lamar is a really solid NFL quarterback. I think he'll play in the league for, you know, eight to ten years. I don't think he's going to be uh, an MVP. I don't think he's going to be an all-time great. I think he's just solid um, at best. And a lot of people are starting to say that he's just incredible. I mean, Pat Mahomes asked. He's getting compared to that. And I just don't see that at all. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's my stance on uh, Lamar Jackson. Hunter, do you have a take on this? No, I, I really don't. I, of course, Austin knows a little bit more about quarterback than I do, but um, watching him play, he's he's fun, electri- electrifying. Uh, he's elusive out there, but I think um, I think he'll be a good player. Um, he's having an MVP-type season so far this year, so you know if, if he does finish this thing out, then we can hold Austin to what he just said right there. I mean, he just said that he doesn't ever see him being an MVP, so – um, we'll we'll see the next few weeks. I don't know. Uh, he's a good player, though. He's a good I feel player. like we've seen this before. I mean, you've got RG3. Sure. And then sure. he ran around so much and RG3's got hurt. RG3's knee crumbled, though, yeah. under the foundation of the Redskins. Right. I mean, but he had nothing around him. But and because he ran around so much, he got hit a lot. Um, Michael Vick, same deal. Started off really hot, played well, and then... You know, he Michael Vick lasted for a few years now. Yeah, but he, was, but he had some uh, up transgressions off the no field. No doubt, but, but before that, thing. he wasn't playing. I mean, he was flipping off fans uh, in the uh, Georgia Dome. You've but, always wanted to sure. flip off fans. You've just never done it. I know, you know you've got no that doubt. instinct about no it. No doubt. Oh. I just wanted to come out. No you've doubt. seen it. Hunter Parker looks like he's seen you. There's no doubt. Oh, there's no doubt. When was this? Uh, I recall a game when he scored a touchdown and actually got a personal foul for giving a high five to a fan. Right there in the end zone. What kind I, of person are you? Well, that was that been the perfect time to that flip off a, a fan. <laughs> right time. Yeah, I mean, it's right there point. in front of him. No doubt. Uh, but, no, I mean, I think tr- Lamar is a tremendous athlete. He's obviously a heck of a quarterback. He won the Heisman Trophy. Um, You're just anti-dual threat quarterbacks, it sounds like. Well, Even though you were labeled as one yourself coming out of high school. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, I'm not anti-dual threat. I, I love guys like Kyler Murray. Um I think there's a lot of really good, like Deshaun Watson, another really good But you good think those are pass-first guys instead of run-first yeah, You guys. have to be able to beat people from the pocket, and he's been able to do that a little bit, but not on a consistent enough basis for me to be like, okay, 
um, he's going to be what all these other people are saying he's going to be. Now, Hunter, I knew you were coming, so I also did a bit of Twitter research on you. I wanted to include you in this segment. You know, very inclusive here on Sanders yes, the Sidekick is Thank what we you. generally Thank are. All I see when I search Hunter Parker is a bunch of Jabari Parker and Hunter Renfro tweets, unfortunately. That's all I've been able to find. Well, listen, Jabari Parker grew up watching him playing, so we can talk a, bit, a little bit about former Vols if you'd like to. He's um, not a Vol. Jabari, oh, Jabari Parker. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Back. I'm thinking of Jabari Davis. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah my bad. Jabari yeah. Parker, we're talking about basketball. Bucks. Yes. Is he yes. still in Milwaukee? Uh, I don't know. I think that I he know. actually <laughs> left Milwaukee and went to Chicago. I'm not sure where he is now. Yeah. Knee injury. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought know. for a second you were talking about Candace Parker, and I was like, hey, well, she's a basketball about, great. We can talk about Candace Parker, too. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, Jabari Parker, I don't, not a huge NBA guy, but, sure. you know. How about Hunter Renfro? Hunter Renfro? You're a big college football guy. Heck of a football player. player. Yeah. yeah, heck of a football player. He was fun to watch just because, you know, I'm I'm the, the, the 5'9 white boy that played a little bit of high school football. So, uh, watching him you know, play in college and, and succeeding at a pretty high level was impressive. You see some of him in yourself and no, vice versa. No doubt. Pretty if much. You get, if you get him going a little bit, you'll start to hear that. You know, <laughs> hey, maybe I could, if I was a played football <laughs> in college, maybe I could have made that same impact like Hunter Renfro. Much like made, you, you know? when you said that you could be Devlin Hodges leading the Steelers to wins a couple weeks ago. There we go. Fair. Touche. <laughs> there we go. I'll take no, that. Talking. I'll take uh, that. Okay, Hunter, this is the brand that I see for you on your Twitter account. College game day. Hype videos and clips of motivational coaching moments. That's what Hunter Parker's brand appears to be on Twitter right now. Clemson motivational. No, coaching. Coaching, coaching motivational Coaching, moments, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love college game day. Uh, so I, That seems like number one in the list for me <laughs> right, in terms and, of your brand. And, you know, it, it probably has declined over the last year because I think Sam Ponder had a lot to do with that. Mm, I so understand. she's gone. She's with the NFL now. Maria Taylor, love her. But she's great. Just, you know, yeah. She does um, a great job. No, they all do a great job. I think, I think uh, that would be a. I've always said, and I think I've talked with Austin about it, but that would be a pretty cool gig. You know, just you you wake up, you travel Tuesday, Wednesday, you get to wherever you're hosting that weekend. Um, Cut some pre pre cut segments. Yeah, yeah. You go you go out in the town. You taste different restaurants. Mm -hmm. You you game plan. You get you wake up at four or five o'clock on Saturday morning. You look at all the crazy fans that love college football, and you. uh, and you do your show on air, and you get to sit beside the, the great Lee Corso. We're about to do bold predictions in a couple segments. Here's a bold prediction. I think that Lee Corso has got to go. I mean, it's it's over for Lee. <laughs> he is senile and beyond reprieve at this point. Doesn't he have to go? I know he's a legend, and I know he that is. he's done it all, and he's really helped form that show into the big, yeah. huge, gigantic beast yeah. that it is. But when it's over, it's over, man. You're right. No, you're right. I mean, he's, he's getting to a point now where you can tell he's having – having some trouble with his memory and, and that sort of thing. and It's um, tough to see. It is. It, it is. It's tough and it's sad. But, yeah, I think uh, I think the other guys that they got there are uh, fantastic, but there may need to be a, a new face right there. And I don't know if that's Kirk Herbstreet's spot to step in or if they go, you know, I, Chris Fowler, maybe bring Chris Fowler back. Chris Fowler was him and Reese Davis, longtime uh, college game day guy. So, I don't know. Most we've ever talked about college game day on this show. Let's uh, talk about your journey from football to baseball. And stick with me here because this is going somewhere and it's probably going to lead back to college game day, quite okay. honestly. How did you go from baseball to football? So those not familiar with Hunter Parker, former center fielder, 
uh, ETSU baseball team, four-year player, uh, four-year player, two-year player, I can't remember. Two-year player transferred, here. Transferred, yes, yep, that's right, college. transferred from yep. junior college to uh, really step right in. I think he hit 351 in your junior year. We're ripping the cover off the ball. Uh, and then you go into, are you technically a GA now with football? Is that yes, right? yes, GA. A GA with football right now um, and do a ton of stuff. I mean, I see you doing a little bit of everything on, on the practice field and on game day, so a lot of a glue guy, I think we'd say. You're a glue guy on baseball, sure. glue guy in, fo- sure. in football too. Uh, did you always have the want to go – the football direction or how did you start about that path um really i think once my my senior year of playing um i lived with lived with austin and, and austin gatewood former linebacker um and alonzo francois and um talking with them you know i knew from a personal standpoint i knew i kind of wanted to be involved in college athletics that was something that i'd been passionate about for a while um and i, and I loved you know what it stood for and, and the opportunities that it gave me um, and so I wanted to try to try my best to keep my foot in that door, and um, an opportunity came about. And once once Coach Sanders took the job, which was the spring of my senior year, um, it was almost kind of a no brainer because I I grew up a big Tennessee fan, so right. um, grew up in Chattanooga, knew exactly who Randy Sanders was, watched you know his teams back in the day from. Casey Clawson to Eric Ainge. I mean, just all kind of guys play. And um, and so once he took that job and that opportunity came about, it was it was kind of a no-brainer just to jump on it. And um, always been pretty passionate about football, um, even though my heart may still be in baseball a little bit. But um, I love what I'm doing. I love the opportunity that I got. So I'm, I'm soaking it in and trying to learn as much football right now as I can. How'd you get your foot in the door? Would you say Austin Herrick swung his weight around and got you just <laughs> enough inside the walls to make it work? I feel like maybe this was talked about before I came on air. <laughs> it was not. No, it was not, actually. <laughs> no. I like to spring things on Austin. <laughs> no, Austin, Austin helped me out because I think one of our other buddies, Reed Lewis, um, except he took a job elsewhere at Southern Mississippi now. Um, and so – they were kind of looking to to fill this role, and I don't I don't know that Coach Sanders really knew who I was, obviously, but um, Austin may have thrown my name out there and, and helped me out a little bit. So that's what friends do. I mean, come on, you're, yeah. you're roommates, and, yep. and obviously a, a legend in your own right around these campuses, hitting 351 in your first year here. Come on. Yeah, too bad I couldn't follow it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was uh, those were I had I had two incredible years here, and I I will always cherish them. They were great. All right, football versus baseball. I'm going to throw some scenarios at you. Would you rather be a player in the Southern Conference Championship game, or as you were last year, be on staff for the Bucks outright championship game last year against Sanford? If I'm a player, am I football? No, I'm talking baseball. <laughs> baseball. Baseball versus football here. Um. I I think player. I mean that, you know. I yeah. I think player just because, um, man, those were those were fun times. It's different. I mean, when those you're a player, those right? were fun times. Austin said yeah. the same thing when he said Yeah, that. those were fun times. You can't beat those. You'd agree, Austin. You just always take player over a coach, regardless of how much you well, love coaching. Well, you can only play for so long. You can coach for the rest of your life. So if you can make those memories as a player, then. No doubt. All right, Hunter, would you rather be a fan at the college football playoff championship game or in Omaha for the entire College World Series? You've done that one of those. Well, so I, I went to Omaha this past year, which was incredible. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with Omaha because that's one of the better atmospheres I've ever been in. I mean, it's just from day one to the final three-game series championship game, um, that's, that's one of the coolest places I've ever been. 
Would you rather be coach for a day with Nick Saban or Joe Madden? I've got to say Nick Saban only because I've grown up in this this era and and, and um, Joe Madden, Hall of Famer in himself, obviously, but um, Nick Saban, I think what he's done down there in Tuscaloosa has been pretty remarkable. Looking at a college program that has very solid sports in both baseball and football, rather than be the head coach at LSU football or LSU baseball? These are tough ones. I'm These are tough. That, that's a hard question. hitting question. These are yeah. tough ones. Walker Cronkite. Top, yeah, top level journalism here on Saturday Night Clearly, um, probably LSU baseball. I, I think Paul Maneri is one of the the better minds in in college baseball, and uh, that program's been pretty uh, pretty special over the past for a while now. Um, so that would be neat to be in Baton Rouge either way. Plus you get like 30 games at home in an atmosphere oh, that is gosh. pretty unrivaled across college baseball. Alex Box is, uh, from what I've been told, is is one of the best. I think they call, um, they actually call Hoover, the the Metropolitan, whenever they host the SEC tournament there. Um, I've heard it been called Alex Box North. So they just travel well and I couldn't imagine what a home atmosphere is like for them. All right, would you rather be on college game day as the guest picker or be handed $50 million cash? The guest picker. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I, I knew that one. The guest picker, yeah. $50 million cash, not enough. The guest picker, go 1-8 for the week or whatever it is, <laughs> my record, and, and just have a good time with those guys. All right, Austin, the only one I have for you is would you rather make the coffee at the perfect ten- temperature for Coach Sanders or get him the perfect sub from Subway? I'm kidding. Mm. You don't have to answer that. Isn't that unfair? Uh, no, I think coffee. Yeah, you because know, there's more of that. You know, if I could get the perfect coffee, it'd be good stuff. I just I hate when I do those <laughs> kind of things to you, but it had to be done after that big lead up. Uh, could you ever go from football to baseball, Austin? I don't think so. Yeah? No, I don't know that. I, I mean, I I like watching baseball. It was fun watching him, and I had some other buddies on the team. But um, no, nah, I'm I'm not a baseball guy. I don't really. I get the game. I, I like watching it occasionally, but I don't know that I could work in the sport. Um, but yeah, you ever swung a bat? Yeah, no, I played baseball growing up. Did you know, you? Lefty, yeah, yeah, made a lot of sense. But uh, I was relegated to the outfield at ah. a young age, and I kind of took the hint. You yeah. know, maybe maybe this isn't my sport. Picking so. dandelions wasn't for you, huh? No <laughs> doubt, no doubt. Uh, I need an Austin Herrick story that he won't tell us, Hunter, and vice versa. Think about that, Austin, for Hunter, while Hunter's giving his on you. And keep it relatively between the lines. It's sure. a family show. NCAA sure. school. Yeah. Don't want to be committing any violations. I'll say this in a second. Absolutely. Um, if you got one, you and you'd rather go ahead. Let me yeah. think about this for just a minute. I may have a real good one. I yeah. just gotta. I don't know that this is one that's personally about. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I don't yeah. know that this one's real embarrassing or anything. But I was thinking about this a few minutes ago. Um, I swear col- we didn't talk about this coming in either. He was already on top. Of yeah, I with college know. game day. Um, so a few years ago, I think it was 2016, right? After the season, we went down to Atlanta for the college football awards ceremony, and Hunter was in heaven. I mean, you had all the all the whole crew was there. You had uh, Rinaldi, you had uh, Kirk Herbstreit, all those cats were there. And, uh, you know, they had the red carpet thing where all the players would walk through. Speaking of Lamar Jackson, he okay. was there. Yep. Um, Baker Mayfield, we saw all those guys. And, you know, we, we were just under the impression we were going to go down there for the red carpet deal and see these guys and leave. Um, felt Definitely felt a little weird, like I was a fanboy or something <laughs> being there. You're used to being uh, fawned over rather than fawning over others. Oh, I don't know right. about that. But um, So anyway, we're down there, and Hunter, being Hunter, was 
just kind of finagling his way in. We got Love into it. the actual award ceremony, wow. and we stood back there by the uh, Coke machine. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, Tom Rinaldi just kept coming back for Dr. Pepper and, and stuff like that, and we got to see Bob Stoops in the bathroom. Wow. Just, it was just cool, just cool little stories like that that um, – yeah, you hang out with Hunter. You somehow find your way into these weird events. He he just acts like he owns the place. You know, we get in. Now I will say, for some reason, I have always been good with that. I, you just you got to act like you know what you're doing, and True. if you do, nobody's going to ask questions. And have a little feel, and yeah, you got to have a little feel, and you got to you know, just <laughs> play the part. And somehow we found our way in the back of that thing, and that was pretty neat. That was that was a good time. Speaking of top level journalism, Tom Rinaldi, phenomenal. Uh, Tom Rinaldi does his he, thing. He, he's 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 probably the best in the business right now. Good as it gets. All right, Hunter one on Austin. Tom Rinaldi will have you motivated to go make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> um, Austin Herrick. Let's see here. I was trying to think of. I know I've got tons out there. I, I don't. I mean, nothing. Just, nothing just came. His aura is almost too big to live up to, isn't I, it? I do you want to get the perfect story because yeah. the man himself. I do. I do a lot to make him mad. Maybe this will get his wheels turning. But um, he, when we lived together, he would get really frustrated with me over just little small details, like um, me making smoothies early in the morning, at like four a.m. That, Grinding that, the yeah, blender. That, that, that would, that would, that would get him mad. And I don't know if I was the only one that. Got a little frustrated yeah. at that, maybe because the whole apartment could hear him. So, yeah. I mean, I wanted to get better, you know. That, that's why I had to make my smoothies. Tom Brady does it, you know. I'm trying to, trying to walk in his yeah. footsteps. Now, uh, another thing, uh, Hunter was really particular about is when his clothes are in the dryer. Yes. Um, you don't just set them on top of the dryer you and oh, put wow. your stuff in. You need to fold Hunter's clothes. Wow. Um, he sets the bar high for his roommates. Um, and so me and Alonzo and Austin, we would find our ways to, to kind of mess with them. And, <laughs> and, but, but, yeah, no, I definitely know I, I was uh, – I think we, we enjoyed our time as roommates, but he definitely wishes I would have done some things differently in the house. Vice versa. I mean, there have been times where uh, I've gone out with Austin, you know, especially after last year's season or during the season we would go out to eat or dinner, you know, and just, just try to have a nice time. Keep exactly, to exactly. Try to keep to ourselves, but that didn't happen too long, you know. Once somebody recognized that face, oh I mean, it was just, it was either, hey man, you did a great job Saturday, or hey, you got time for a picture, or hey man, can you sign this for my kid? I mean, one time we had somebody bring a baby up to us, someone wow. signed it right on the forehead. Wow. And, and luckily we didn't have a sharpie. Nobody had a sharpie, so it didn't happen. But um, I mean. Yeah, there's been multiple times where I felt. It's not true, by the way. <laughs> I was, I believe it. Honestly, I believe it. There's been times I where, knew that this was how it was. <laughs> I, normally, it really is though. I don't. The baby part, uh, no. But, Can't confirm or deny, but we're not saying it didn't happen. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, um, just going out in Johnson City with, with the one and only is, uh, is a pleasure. Yeah, the golden goat. I mean, the you, you walk, goat. you walk anywhere, and I'm sure that the flocks, the masses. The legions of adoring fans just come out of every direction. It's like a zombie movie, except people are alive. Yeah, yeah. I will give you one thing about Austin Herrick that just absolutely bugged the piss out of me. Um, <laughs> the way he ties his shoes, you can tell he's a lefty. <laughs> Listen, you can tell he's a lefty by the way he ties his shoes. His knot is always over on that left hand side, hanging off the side of his shoe. It's never right on top with even bows. I mean, it's just 
<laughs> yeah, some, something about that just Wait, gets me going right he, there. He thinks I'm sloppy. And maybe I am. Uh, but what I do is I tie my shoe. I, I cross my left leg over my right leg, and I tie it this way. So it ends up being uh, on the inside of my foot, the, the knot, um, and that bugs him. And then another thing about Hunter is he if you have anything um, anything wrong with your outfit, anything wrong with uh, your physical appearance that's a little bit out of the ordinary, he will definitely notice. Yesterday, I got done eating lunch. Um, I had, I guess I had some bread that had some, I guess, crumbs on it, and I I wiped it on my leg, didn't even realize it. First thing Hunter says to me, hey, you got something on your leg there? What's going on? You know, and that's that's Hunter. He always notices those things, and um, that can be a good or bad thing. I know there's been a few times where um, maybe I got a bad haircut or something. I've had him line me up in the back. You know, he, it comes in handy sometimes, but no, that's that's Hunter Parker through and through. Great reminiscing. <laughs> we can do this. It's all still day. going on. Let's do some more reminiscing about Mercer last year. This is really all we're going to touch on football wise. Uh, even though we tease this as a football segment every week, it really just kind of splinters off into whatever. Right. Uh, Mercer last year, obviously, and I asked Coach Sanders about this at the press conference on Monday. Got to be a great memory. I mean, I know it wasn't hyped up as much because you wanted to quote unquote take it a day at a time. Everybody do your job, go and get that outright Southern Conference championship. But as it turned out, clinched a share of the Southern Conference championship that week and coach didn't want to do so much reminiscing about it it's crazy to me that it's one year ago and things have flipped the way they have I mean now one and six in one score games after being six and one in one score games just the symmetry is wild uh but just go back if you can and each of you do some reminiscing about Mercer last year getting that win I know you went down there a bit shorthanded and really against what I thought you know the entire year is kind of against all odds right it was a Cinderella story and that sealed it. That ended up being, I believe, the final win of that year, uh, losing to Sanford and losing to Jacksonville State. And, gosh, you think about a matter of inches and a matter of bounces. It almost started in that game with Jacksonville State rather than just starting this year with the tight games. But uh, I look back on that day as one that's just so significant for the program, for your class's legacy of um, greatness and turning around the program from you know just starting to ascending all the way to the top of the mountain. So what comes to mind when you think about that, Cam? Yeah, that, that was a huge game for us. Um, you know, going back to that, I, I think we all knew if we could take care of business um, against Mercer last year, then um, we had a really good shot. And actually, at one point, I thought it was really likely that we were going to lock it up that day with, I think, Samford. Um, all they had to do was get beat or some. There was some other scenario going on. Um, maybe it was Wofford and Western Carolina, actually. Um, and Western was up on Wofford, um, and then Wofford came back and won. It was at Western Carolina. But anyway, th- there was a lot of implications with that game, and we knew all we had to do was go out there and take care of business, and um, Mercer played us tough. Um, for whatever reason, we've always kind of played well against Mercer with the exception of that first year, and um, it was a it was a heck of a lot of fun. I remember that last drive um, we come we, – it's a big third down play and there's a timeout or a break in the action and coach Sanders came up to me and he was like just just don't mess this thing up I'm like, oh, okay thanks thanks for for letting me know that right here in this moment and we ended up converting on that third down and um then he called like a a quarterback run play for me uh to get a first down we were back in their territory and um and 
he was like, all right, don't be a pansy right here. You better go get these <laughs> yards. And um, I, I ended up running. I think I ran someone over, and I popped up, and I was like, I, I told you, I, I'm not a pansy. Um, so yeah, those are cool memories. God, that, is he good at motivating Yeah, you. no doubt. Oh, yeah, he, he could get under my skin, no question. So um, don't let him know that, but I'm sure he does. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was it was a heck of a time. And then to celebrate in the locker room after to – you know that we had clinched at least a share um that was that was pretty cool what about you hunter thinking about being a part of a championship like that that was special um because i i'd never i mean i'd won a little district championship in high school but um that when? was that was pretty cool when did you uh, win not my, your senior year nope my baseball my junior year that's uh, the hunter parks story i forgot to tell so yeah we're not we may not bring that one up today <laughs> um but yeah, no that that Mercer win was uh, that was special just because anytime you can go on the road and and win one is in the league play is is big and I think I think for me last year either the Citadel win or the Mercer win were probably two of my favorites um, just because they're on the road they're both pretty solid environments in the Southern Conference and uh, especially that Mercer one you you know like you said you clinch clinch a, a little part of the title right there and um, they were. You know that was that was pretty neat. Just um, being being with a guy that I grew up with a little bit, and watching him go through some adversity last year, and um, finding a way to rally the troops and, and get it done. Does that support or give you some solace looking at how things have gone this year? I mean, it has been you know about 365 days, and thinking about that year versus this year, and obviously things haven't gone the way you wanted this year, but having that recent of a memory and having had things be as incredible as they were with that run, I imagine that that's something good to draw on in these tough times. No doubt. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things that you hope that um, we can draw from last year and use those experiences as kind of like um, a caveat to what's going on this year. Um, you know, we, we had to go through tough times, kind of like what we're going through now to get to last year. Um, and that's kind of... Um, the light at the end of the tunnel so to speak if you can get through these times if you can learn from your mistakes and not waste a failure then you know at the end of the day you're going to give yourself a chance to have special moments like we did last year um and, and that's the motivation for the juniors the sophomores and the freshmen and the guys coming in is you know we this year did not go how we wanted um, we still have two opportunities left and could completely change the narrative of this season um, i think if we win these last two but um, yeah, sometimes you have to go through adversity. Sometimes you have to learn how to not lose in order to win. Well, if either of you do get down going into this game or next game, I think it's a surefire win for the Bucks against Mercer. Just head up to the third floor. That Golden Goat statue is coming along very nicely. <laughs> no sure doubt. No, well, I'll have to check that out whenever it's completed. I do have one final Hunter Parker Okay, story. you're going to This, this is going to go up. into the uh, – the the big head of Austin here. I can't let this go. This, okay. I tell this story all the time. Let me say, I know what he's going to say, and, and I've heard this story. Hunter's getting out front of it here. Th yeah, since, since I mean, in the last year, I've probably heard this story two dozen times <laughs> just because this is what he hangs his hat on, and if that's what he wants to hang his hat on, I'm all for it. No doubt. Know? So, so this, is, uh, this is probably my favorite athletic story of my wow. athletic career. Um, and it had nothing to do with ETSU. Okay. Um, so senior year of high school um we're playing the east hamilton hurricanes and they beat us in the regular season 20 to 21 well uh on that team was alonzo francois hunter parker and austin gatewood and 
Reed Lewis was the manager. All all those guys were my roommates in college. Yeah. So did not know that at the time. Obviously knew of them. We weren't like great friends. We just lived in different in areas. Passing, right. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so anyway, they beat us in the regular season. Somehow get a good draw in the playoffs, and we play them in the quarterfinals of the TWSAA 2013 uh, high school football playoffs. And so we go up there to Hurricane Hill is what they call it. Um, they're leading pretty much the whole game. Uh, we've got the ball with about a minute 20 left to go uh, on our own uh, six-yard line. And uh, we march down the field. We make a big play on the sideline. Some miscommunication between Alonzo and Hunter or something. Um, and you know what? The Blue Raiders from Cleveland ended up ending uh, the season and the career for some. Wow. Uh, of the East Hamilton Hurricane. So I, I had to get that in there while Hunter's here. I'll give you a chance here to rebut if you'd like. Well, I mean, props to him. He was <laughs> – <laughs> um, no, it was – those were some of the, the best times. No doubt. That I've ever had on, on a, any playing surface. Um, and, you know, I, I wish I knew Austin like I do – or I wish I knew him then like I do now because uh, – there may have been a few more trash words, trash talking going on, no doubt, uh, on the on the field. But uh, he he rallied his team once again, and they uh, they prevailed. See, no. you knew that was going to happen last year because you had seen it before. <laughs> I had seen it before. It was deja vu. I mean, <laughs> um, it happened early on, and uh, it was just different colors this time, just different school. I will say that game and those two games in particular, not knowing what would take place in the future, right. were some of the the most fun I ever had playing sports. It was just. Um, you know, I, as a quarterback, you kind of play cat and mouse games with the safeties and then um, kind of the, the outside linebacker to the field, which is what Gatewood played. So basically the whole game, I'm, I'm keying off of Hunter and Gatewood. Um, and then at Gatewood, I, there's the same thing in practice for the next four years. So um, those are really cool memories. And, um, man, it was when they came up here and – uh, we ended up living together. Those are some of the best times I'll ever have. Small world, right? That's wild. No doubt. Well, you're on the same team now. Good luck Saturday. Mercer, 1 o'clock kickoff, 1130 pregame, Buccaneer Sports Network. Go get that W. Make some more memories, all right? Let's do it. Thanks, Mike. Austin Herrick, Hunter Parker here on Santos and the Sidekick. We recap men's and women's basketball on the other side of this break. In segment four, it is bold predictions on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Life is all about perfect pairings. Sweet and salty, naughty and nice, hot and cold. Well, add instant and jackpot to the list because that's what you'll get when you add Quick Cash to your next Tennessee Cash play. Quick Cash is a simple way to turn one game into two. With Quick Cash, you'll have a chance to win up to $500 instantly right there at the register. Plus, you'll still have a chance to win the Tennessee Cash drawing later. Get the best of both worlds and get twice the fun. It's Quick Cash with Tennessee Cash, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Santos to the sidekick with you after a couple segments of basketball. We turn our attention to the hardwood. Two games last night, men and women's action. The ETSU men pick up a victory against uh, Winthrop, which was coming off a lot of high accolades for their road win at St. Mary's. And if you believe in computers and all those little fancy ranking things they do, it does matter not only who you beat, but who your opponents beat. So if nothing else a win as far as that goes and it's way too early to start talking about well how can this help you in your seating well because 
ETSU has to win the Southern Conference Tournament to worry about that because that's what tradition says. Even though UNCG was last team out last year, there's no guarantee something like that will happen again in the league. But still, great win for ETSU. I thought Trey Boyd, a couple of great offensive plays, maybe lost in a shuffle. We created a steal there late in the under four, uh, last four minutes of the game, had a steal, had an assist to Bo Hodges. Of course, ended up hitting the game-winning three. Winthrop had a couple of shots there late, Mike. One missed, and then one they just get a shot off off in time. First, I want to give Winthrop some credit because they lived up to the hype. They are a lot better defensively. We openly questioned on Wednesday whether that would be the case or if it was just a small sample size. Uh, they have faced four really good opponents. I mean, Hartford, Fresno State, the upset of St. Mary's, and now ETSU. Um, all four of those maybe save Fresno State, but they're a contender in their conference a lot of years. They could be tournament teams. Uh, Winthrop's had an aggressive start, and all those games have been on the road. They did not look road-weary. They came out ready to play, uh, and they battled back. Once ETSU played, I thought, a really solid first half. I mean, goodness. Uh, Steve Forbes said at postgame that he was really impressed with the defensive effort in that first 20 minutes, allowed just 25 points, and really did some good things. Ended up forcing 18 turnovers, and this was one of the big swinging points to the game for me 17 points off turnovers for ETSU to five for Winthrop at one point it was 13 to nothing so the Bucks were finding a way to turn defense into offense Isaiah Tisdale I thought was really good defensively again he had three steals and the Bucks have really controlled the paint in terms of turning the opponent away these last two games I mean it was a block party at UT Martin and they had six more blocks last night seven steals um, really competitive contest I don't want to say this was the Wofford game of last year in terms of mid-major top shelf basketball but I thought it was darn close. You know, it's one of my favorite things I've ever witnessed was when Mike Young kind of walked to midcourt and just yelled to Coach Forbes out of the blue and said, "Hey, this is a high-level basketball game right here." <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of a it's kind of a throwaway, but yet it, it was true. But and and he said that when ETSU had just tied the game, you know, and it seemed like the one thing I always enjoyed talking to Coach Young because I think he understood moments and what it meant, and and his his point was no matter where you were in college basketball that really was a high level game between two very good teams and last night felt like that so much so when I looked at when I get there I always see who the referees are you know because that kind of tells me how the league or how NCAA feels about it and I know the, the you're still assigned by an assigner in your certain league but you can't tell me there aren't people that say hey look this is a game that means a lot let's put some people in there and when you do you get a little different called game usually means it's more physical, less whistles. They let men settle it on the floor. I love that. Sometimes you get young officials. I talked to Roger Ayers, who was one of the officials in there, has not been in the Dome. I, I'm sorry, last time he did an ETSU game was in the Dome. Mm. So if I tell you how long it's been since Roger Ayers, high-level SEC official, been in ACC. He's been, I think, last 14 years in a row he's done an NCAA tournament game, if not been in a Final Four. Uh, and I know he's been in at least one Final Four before. Then you look at Todd Austin, who started in the Southern Conference. He did the UConn-St. Joe's game, I think, the night before. He's getting SEC games. He's getting A-10 games. So he's climbing the ladder. And we've seen Brent Hampton's brother, John Hampton, been around a long time. Those guys get good games as well. Now, we see Brent and Todd Moore, but those guys obviously call it a higher level and get other high-level games. So you know it's that way. And ask Roger Ayers about a couple of new rules because I'm just – I haven't been able to talk to me. Plus, I know he's a veteran, so he don't mind talking to me. And he goes, he goes, you know, the bench decorum and all this. I just talked to the coaches. I say, look, just don't act like an idiot, and I'm not going to call it, right? I, I know they want me to. It's a rule. He said, but the young officials are going to call it. And you got to know that going in. And I tell the coaches, if I'm working with young guys, like, hey, I'm not particularly looking for that. 
but those guys are being graded. They're trying to move up just like everybody else. So you got to know the situation. So I knew when he said that this was going to be allowed to be an NCAA type tournament game where it is a little more physical, where they don't really try to, to blow the whistle as much unless it, it's quote unquote egregious. Now there's a couple times they, they've got to make a decision. Is it a block charge? The Trey Boyd call? There's a lot of things where I get somebody goes to the floor. You get, you got to have something right. But if, if guys are banging into each other and their verticality going to the rim, this you know, and nobody's putting their arms down and slapping somebody, they let it go and they let it go the whole game. I love that. The you know, there's really, I don't think anybody left there thinking, man, if the referee would have called this, like football, we've talked about. Nobody left that game going, man, if the referees would have called this or called that. And that's rare these days. That's it. And and to me, you get that when you get the high level uh, officials, it's called so much differently. There's less free throws, but to me. Teams were allowed to play and be physical, and they kind of figured out how to play physical and settled it on the floor themselves and Winthrop it kind of felt like kind of felt like the Chattanooga football game last year where if Winthrop had maybe two more minutes on the clock, even though they were the more fatigued team, they had really gotten a rhythm there late in the, in the second half, and they may have been able to beat ETSU if they had another minute, minute and a half, two minutes on the clock because they had gotten so. But for ETSU, the good part is they didn't. They'd build up enough lead. They'd build to seven or nine. You know, to give ETSU credit, every time Winthrop kind of got that second wind, you thought they wouldn't have because of the fatigue. They continued to pick up more steam and would tie the game, but ETSU never let them get over the hump. The only lead for Winthrop in the game was at 2 nothing. Yeah, Coach Forbes said that he thought the Bucks got a little lucky on that last possession because there was a wide-open Clean look. as you're ever going to get. And you could hear it on your call. You were starting to deflate already. Wide-open look to say, oh, he missed it. You're shocked. Yeah, I, I don't know what you're talking about, You're Mike. shocked, That's... as I believe a lot in the building were, because Winthrop was hitting some shots. Uh, they, especially offensively with DJ Burns, goodness, we talked about him on Wednesday. He had 36 minutes on the season with 28 points coming in, 9.3 points per game but if you look at points per 40 minutes I mean that's like 31 or 32 points per 40 and he lived up to that he had 27 minutes played his most extensive action of the season last night went 8 for 10 17 points um, really doing a lot of different stuff that helped them out he got in a little bit of foul trouble but it didn't hinder him being on the court as it has in previous games and I know you mentioned they were working on his stamina too to build him up and get him ready for more extensive action so I thought he was very good but Bo Hodges, you know, 17 points, nine rebounds. Uh, Jerome had a little bit of an off night in terms of offense, but he crashed the glass with nine boards. I talked about it in the UT Martin game and coming back on Monday about Trey Boyd, more impressed with his passing. Uh, He threaded the needle on another big basket late. He did it a couple of times in the first half against UT Martin, but that pass to, I believe it was Bo Hodges who finished at the rim to give ETSU, what was it, the three-point lead at that time, before Ferguson tied it with a three, and then ultimately Boyd hit that three. We know Trey Boyd is a great shooter. I've never thought of him as a great passer, but he has exhibited that more and more lately. And if you've already got passers like Isaiah Tisdale and you've got dynamic guys like Bo Hodges, um, Patrick Good can do some distributing as well. And then you throw Trey Boyd in there. I know this team had 60-plus assists from, was it 60-plus assists six, last year? From six, six guys. different guys. Yep. All six of those are back. And you can see why. It's not just the ball movement piece. It's the fact that a lot of these guys can pass. And I think the way they've been able to get that motion offense, and, and which is interesting because they've never they've never ran that anywhere. Coach Forbes has openly said that. But just because they have so many talented guys, and, they, and I believe this is the brilliant of the roster that's being built this year, is they're so versatile. You can have so many guys play so many different positions. You get them on the floor. And because the buy-in, right, it's very popular in sports. Are they buying in? Well, when you get guys that are perceived to be shooters, scorers, and they want the ball in their hands – 
making assists, being unselfish late in the game, that tells you I think everyone is buying in. And when Trey Boyd threw that bullet pass, and he had a couple passes at, at UT Martin and you were there. I listened to your call of it. So, I mean, this isn't something new that, that all of a sudden Trey with a one-off. I think Boyd did a great job of understanding the situation, and he said it last night. He dribbled my head up, saw him go. Threw a pass. I think Hodges. I think uh, Bruce Tramberger said it best. Hodges and maybe self defense caught that bullet pass, laid it up and in. And then the very next trip down when the Bucks needed a three, they followed the game plan, right? Buy in. You're listening to coaches. The defense. Uh, Trey Boyd said the defense did exactly what the coaches said they would do. Worked on that they play all week. They would suck too. in. Yep. We worked on it all week. They skipped it to me. I had enough time to catch and shoot, and I knocked down the shot. And to me. The only thing Trey Boy did wrong last night was not agree with me on his favorite basket. And I still go, I don't want to hear it from Trey. I've I don't want to hear it. I've never heard in terms of you being so Live convinced it. throughout Live the it. entire second half. And then he not only says, oh, there's not really a favorite, he picks the other one. Oh, and he saw I my uh, – So he, he was reading my face, and I'm pointing to the goal, trying to coach him into saying that basket. And he refused to say, I almost want to go, dang it, Trey, you don't understand how this works. You make me look like a genius, right? That's your job. That's really not his job. But it, it, Trey Boyd and the defensive buy-in from everybody's incredible. And to me, that is what is contagious. When a guy takes a charge like Tisdale or dives on a floor for a ball or does something extra effort to block a shot, coming from then everybody wants to do that, right? You see your teammate doing that and giving that, then everybody else wants to do it. So tremendous team win. That's the theme so far of the year. And so far, I think everyone is doing everything they can to try to win a game. And credit Winthrop, man, they are going to be a problem in the Big South. They've still yet to play a home game, but they're going to be a major problem, I think, in the Big South. Yeah, they were picked third. Uh, Radford's the league favorite in the Big South. Uh, but I I don't think that I would second-guess them jumping up to the top of that league at all. I think that's very possible. One final thing on this game free throws oh my gosh I'm not sure I've seen two teams shoot worse at the free throw line in a such a well-played game outside of that Winthrop shooting like 40 percent at the line now this year they got to be kicking themselves because there are a couple of free throws in really two or three games away from being uh, undefeated right now uh, three of nine from the line ETSU and you heard Steve Forbes post game he was upset he's saying guys are just missing free throws they don't usually miss Davian Williamson and a couple others he named 12 of 23 from the line and as Coach said, the game wouldn't have really been that close, wouldn't have had to bite nails as much as he did late on if he just made even four or five more of those free throws. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen, but fortunately, the Bucks get the win in a really well-played contest. Yeah, and I think that's... Outside that, of free throws. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's really it. I mean, free throws and maybe a little bit of defensive breakdown there late in the game, but some of it, I think you got to credit Burns, who we've talked a lot about, was really a skilled offensive guy. You can see why Rick Barnes got him to Tennessee. He just, back to the basket, you know, dribbling non-dribbling face-up jump shots I mean he's just going to be a problem I think there was some things defensively that that, the coaches would like better in the second half and free throws that's about it everything else I think they did what they're supposed to picked up a big win and now they go on to Kansas on Tuesday pump for that another game was last night which I I nailed my prediction right I really thought ETSU was going to be able to slow down high point in women's basketball the offense but and this is the issue and I I probably didn't have and I don't know if I did enough a good enough job explaining the system and I can I can almost draw up exactly the play they run because it's one pretty much set play but basically it's designed to get a layup and if not you get a three well if you take away layups which you're taught to do right always take away the two foot shot percentage shot yeah 
You give up 42 attempts at three, and they hit 16 of them. That's, that's a tough. Insane. That's tough to recover. Oh, I mean, insane. it really is. 16 of 42 from outside. I had to take a second and third look at the box score. I mean, absolutely absurd. Cameron Brown, seven, seven. of 13 from outside. Seven. Seven of 13. I mean, ho hum, right? Another night for them, but. Goodness, they had been struggling against, obviously, Duke, but then College of Charleston. I really did not see this game going the way that it did, especially. God, you tell me that the Bucks make 22 of their 26 free throws. I mean, they're winning by 20, I think. I mean, the only thing, again, that's been missing for ETSU for a lot of years now, it hasn't just been this year, but a lot of years has been getting the easy ones, converting at the charity stripe, consistently like a 61 62% free throw shooting team uh, in Brittany Azell's six, six and a half years here now. 22 of 26. Erica Haynes Overton's 18 for her last 18 at the line. She's blacking out. <laughs> I mean, she's literally blacking out. It's unbelievable. 19 points, five more steals. She's got 15 steals this year, averaging five per game. She's got like 27 points per game. Micah Sheets was six of seven at the line. Free throw shooting, big plus. Also closed the rebound gap. You know, the Bucks were minus 21 against Tennessee. I think it was minus 14 against Liberty. Just minus two, and this team is going to struggle to rebound all year. It's not going to be something that will just go away, but minus two you can live with. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a huge number there. I think the other shocking thing was the eight attempts by ATSU, which tells me high point did a great job, I think, of trying to – and, again, I didn't get to see the game yet. From three. Uh, yeah, but yeah, they ran them off three, the line, yeah, right. two, two of eight from three. I think they ran them off the line, tried to get ETSU to, to – not. and, again, ETSU doesn't have that many shooters from out there, but you know that uh, Haynes Overton's been working on it. You clearly know Micah Sheets can shoot from out there. So I think they did a good job of running them off the line, not letting them just sit back there and try to get – because I think – ETSU and I, I don't I don't want to live and die by the three because I don't think ETSU's women's team is built that way this year to do that but I certainly think they probably need more than eight attempts and more than two makes in any game but I I think that credit high point for that that they were able to take away that part of the game I also think it was important that Jada Craig got in the game and trying to work herself back because they are a little thin they do need a few more bodies Jada Craig has been there for several years I I think just having her on the floor and available is going to be big down the stretch so even though she only played seven minutes just getting her back I think is a good sign moving forward for women's basketball I've been impressed with Ariel Harvey uh, in practice it looked like she was still getting her legs back after she had her baby took the year off from basketball was really laboring a decent amount during practice and now you're seeing her coming off the bench put in a ton of minutes really perform well two of four from the field Six points, four rebounds, a couple of blocks. That was a positive. Tiana Kimbrough off the bench. Season high, 20 minutes. If you can get 20 minutes from her and productive minutes, which a lot of her minutes on the floor are going to be productive, specifically at six foot four, the fact that she just towers over plenty of people and she's got good finishing skills at the rim. Five points, eight rebounds. Really good to see her out there for 20 And she alter, alter shots. Even if she yes. doesn't get block shots, Imposing I've seen threat. that's right. Yes. I've seen her alter people's shots because. And inbounds plays, you know, instead of inbounding underneath the hoop, instead of a free toss in, you get a six foot four person guarding the ball. I mean, there's a lot of things that Kimbro is a matchup problem. Harvey has a beautiful looking shot, by the way. I know it hasn't gone down, but that is a shot that will go down. She will be a weapon for ETSU, I think, moving forward as well. And I thought, you know, again, just looking at numbers, I thought at least Stafford's numbers two for six. I, I think a she probably needs more attempts than that. Just Agreed. looking at that. So I, I, I again I don't I don't want to overreact when ETSU won the game at Liberty, right? I wasn't going to sit here and overreact to the win. I don't want to overreact to a loss to High Point right now either as well. Uh, I don't know where to put them yet. I kind of had some, you know, I, I kind of felt like this team would be building towards the conference play, and we'll probably have it figured out by then. And I still think that, 
But I, I don't want anybody to go overboard with the win at Liberty, but I also don't want everybody to go overboard on the loss at, at High Point. Just me. It was a 10-point game of five minutes to go, and better believe I said out loud in studio, they've got them right where they want them. Because they've been down 10 points inside of five no minutes twice. No big deal, baby. And it was no a four-point game against Tennessee, and then it went over Liberty. So I thought it was a sure thing, absolute no-doubter comeback, win at the buzzer. Unfortunately, not how it went. But looking for a bounce back on Monday against North Carolina and team. Yep, and uh, – we got that, yeah. You, you're on the call, oh, yeah. yeah. Five thirty, right? Pre-game show. Yeah, you're five in studio for it, so I hope you remember. I'll be in Kansas. Oh, okay. Well, I better. Well, either way, we'll figure something out there. All right, let's talk uh, bold predictions. Let's have this time out. Santa Sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. ETSU fans, there is no more entertaining way to spend your Wednesday nights than with the human soundbite reel, Randy Sanders. It's big boy football. The Buccaneer head coach joins Jay Sandos live at Wild Wing Cafe every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. And if you can't make it to downtown Johnson City to have chicken wings and tater tots with coach, you can listen right here on AM640. All fall long, ETSU head football coach Randy Sanders, Wednesday nights. What time is it anyway? 6 p.m. on the Sports Monster. Look, I think it's plain to see Andrew Luck is going to be the top quarterback in football this year. If you don't think Antonio Brown's going to be a model system when he finally gets out of Pittsburgh and Oakland and goes to New England and get released by New England and go to online college, you're crazy. The AAF is a juggernaut. It's only a matter of time before it overtakes the NFL. You really think the NFL and Roger Goodell is going to let Josh Gordon back in? I mean, it's obvious. Fletcher McGee is getting drafted, maybe even in the first round. No, 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 no. I've got plenty of sources more than you, Mike, in Knoxville. Rick Barnes is no way considering that UCLA job. Bold predictions. Well, you were just starting to gain some confidence in the Pittsburgh Steelers. You really were. What are your playoff teams and season-long bowl predictions and something we battled about the entire year? Their schedule is fine. They're, they're, so they're going to rattle off four or five in a row. They're, so they're going to rally around. Mason Rudolph might get suspended. He's fine. They're not going to give him one. You don't think so? You don't no, think one? not at all. He started by ripping not, off the not, helmet of Miles Garrett. He not, was the not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. I think when, they, when the optics of he got hit in the head like that, I think no way. I, now – Unfortunately, I think Pouncey is going to be suspended. Which and is a shame because I like what I, he did. I agree. You got to come to the How, I, like, I, here, Follow me on this logic. They're going to suspend him. He says, hey, I want a hearing. He probably won't, but let's say he wants to have a hearing. I think you bring a melon, a watermelon in there and a helmet, and you just look at the two <laughs> guys and you go, look, this is what I saw. Bam, smash and say, I did that to him. What are you doing? All right, now what do you, well, now what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? So, But I think they'll both be suspended. Now, I saw that in an arena game 12 years ago. And uh, there's nothing new to me. I've seen it in a football game before, so I don't understand what everybody's up in arms about. I, I guess because the Nashville Cats wasn't nationally televised. I don't know. It was yeah, in Nashville. I haven't so. heard of that. Uh, well, they, they folded. They were an arena team naturally. back in the day. So. Uh, I did see a video tweeted out by Tom Pelissero, uh, one of the big NFL.com reporters, and it was of the last time that he remembered that someone took a swing at somebody with Is that the incognito? In the incognito. Well, and he barely got out of the way. And he barely got out of the way. And it was it looked about head level. Like he could have knocked his block mm-hmm. off. Uh two games was the suspension. Didn't make contact. Well, I, I think so it was three. Luck. He had two oh, preseason. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He had the two so preseason three. games oh, wow. and then one regular season. So But he didn't make contact. There, exactly. There, that's there, what I'm saying. There's always a difference of if you make contact or if well, you don't. Well, exactly. I don't yeah, know if that's, that, that's, that's exactly the way it point. should be, but that's Well, what no, that's is. exactly my point, is that if you get three games for that, Miles Garrett's probably going to be out for the rest of the year. I, and so, to your point of it not so, being a big thing, I think it might be looked upon differently by the NFL. 
Sure, sure. <laughs> for, uh, you know, eh, it's, you know, an NFL probably a little better than the Arena League, anyways. All right, I'm uh, six for thirty, oh, two hundred. You are four, three for twenty-seven. Four. I got now. You got. Three. You heard my Antonio Brown is correct. That is four. Go. You uh, you're three for twenty-seven, and I'm a nice guy. Once again, selfless, as I said at the beginning of the broadcast. I only penalized you one wrong answer for last week's debacle that happened to be your ETSU will win. Every single. I game think I should get. I should get credit for four wins and two losses. That's what should happen. Uh, no, that's definitely not what we talked about. You should get credit for seven losses or three losses. I think I said three last Friday, but then I only penalized you once. So you're three for twenty-seven. Basically, you each have twenty-four losses. I've got twice as many wins. If you want to summarize it that way, which I do. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you do. I'm sure Go you ahead, do. fool. All right. So uh, Southern Conference games are four games. Yeah. Three of the home teams are underdogs, and I'm going to go all four teams. Will all four home teams will win? Write those down for me. What are those? So obviously ETSU Mercer. Yeah. Uh, then you're going to go Furman at Wofford. You're going to go Citadel Chat and Samford at Western Carolina. Mm, okay. Interesting. And the only favorite is Wofford by like a point. It's uh, it's about as pick them as you get. So I will go three home underdogs. W's. So you're doubling and, down to the parlay, even though it destroyed yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, and I have other ones. This is just one. Oh, okay. I'm just going for one okay, point. Okay. I'm, I'm going for one point here. I've got some other ones I'm going to throw at you, too. I'll go with the SoCon vibe as well. Furman Wofford, biggest game in the Southern Conference this year. And it could go one of two ways, and I debated on this for a while, which probably isn't a good sign for the prediction. I think that there's going to be over 1,000 yards of total offense between Furman and Wofford. They have both the top offenses and top defenses in the league. I think Wofford's rolling offensively. Considering last week, Furman definitely doing so as well. What did Furman put up last week? Like 60? Last time they played, they yeah, put up 60. 60. So uh, I'm thinking that the offenses are in good shape. Now defenses could lock down, but I tend to think when two teams have very good defenses, they almost cancel each other out, and the offense is what shows up. Seen that time and time again. Now it's gone the other way too. But I think this week it's going to go offensively. 1,000 yards of total offense or more between Furman and Wofford. I, I like that one. I'm going to go college football. And this uh, this pains me, but I'm going to go Navy. We'll go into South Bend over a touchdown favorite, and I we'll pull off one. the dub yeah. as they've done before. It's been a few years, but they have gone in there and won before. They will do it again. Bore the home crowd to death. You know they're not going to like watching Navy. And it's so not going to be a sellout. Completely out of the game. It's, oh, it's not going to be. A no, it's the first time in like 230 games or some crazy stat Ooh, I saw. I like that. That's a good stat to bolster your argument. Uh, for ETSU, they're winning by three scores or more against Mercer. Three scores or more. At least 17 points against Mercer. And my logic is, last year, ETSU was 6-2 and two in the league. Now, they can't get to 2-6 and six this year. They are going to be 1-7 and seven with the win. But uh, pretty close to that number. There's been symmetry all over this season compared to last season for ETSU. 6-1 and one in one-score games last year versus 1-6 and six this year. So you know it's not going to be a one-score game because that number's already been met. All their frustrations, everything that they've had to deal with this year, all the bounces that have gone the wrong way, they have earned on Senior Day and Heroes Day, they have earned a few bounces going their way. And I think they're just going to blow the doors off of Mercer, quite honestly. So that's why I withheld my take in segment one is because it is a bold prediction. Three scores or more, they're going to beat Mercer first time in three years, make it four years this year, that it will have not been a one-score game. 17 or more. And honestly, I, I could see a typical one-score game between the two, or I could see, like we said in the first segment, I could see if ETSU got a few on the board very quickly that uh, it could be a long day for Mercer, and they may just want to pack it in and go home. My third one, I'm going NFL, and I was really, really 
hoping the Jets would be favored because I was going to take the Redskins uh, to get off the schneid, beat the Jets, but uh, Redskins are favored. They've already got a win. They, they do. The Dolphins. They do. <laughs> Uh, that counts. They didn't mean to. No. And I'm going to go Tampa Bay oh. at home oh. to beat the Saints. Well, we agree. Is that what you got? Curse of Teddy Bridgewater. You replaced Teddy Bridgewater and bad things happened. Okay. Last week, Atlanta went into New Orleans and won by 17. That was a decimation. I think for the first time in Bull Predictions history, we agree on something. Two straight bad losses for the Saints. And this one coming in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has been really close this year. Three or four more games that have been decided by one score. And again, much like ETSU, those go the other way. And you're looking at a totally different season. They've got an explosive offense. And gosh, the Saints just look bad. Bring in Teddy. Bench Breeze for Bridgewater. Hashtag it. Okay. I love it. Let me ask you this. How do you feel? Because I almost went the Lions over the Cowboys. That was another one I was looking at. And my other one that I debated on but went against was the Bears against the Rams. You've been out on the Rams all year, so that follows your brand. So, hey, right. here's our. Uh, you guys stick with Tampa Bay, okay? Yeah, we'll, right. we'll, first time ever. I guess I, I, I like it. I, I will like accidentally have to pull for you at least on I one really game. I really don't like the word game. So, I don't either. That mean, you know what that means? Saints by thirty. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, can't yeah. wait. At least you'll be right. Famous James throw about. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Since I let off, you can just blame me, I guess. Right, you follow the leader. Swayed there you me. go. Your argument was good for one. All right. Monday, Santa Psychic will recap uh, the game against Mercer. We'll set up the women's basketball game with North Carolina A&T. We will certainly talk about the contest, Kansas ETSU men's basketball. All that and more on Santa's Sidekick Monday. Bargain Air. Sports Network. See ya.